Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science, science. can coexist peacefully. This was their finest. Today's episode is brought to you by The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are all unable to travel due to this pandemic-type situation, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, the gallery is offering our listeners 15% off their purchase by using the code 15OFF. That's the number 15OFF. Go to thegallery.com, that's the G-A-L-R-Y dot com so that your wall will never be boring again. Hey guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. And guys, we're on cheese part two. We're going to field a lot of crazy cheese questions all the way from vegan cheese to a cheese only diet. We are a medical podcast, so everything you hear, <laughs> no way, use in your life. <laughs> no, that's fucked up. <laughs> uh, yeah, you yeah. can you can tell this is gonna be a really cheesy episode because Nathan is already only in his boxers. Oh, why do you reveal it's, that? It's, it's boxers and glasses. That's, that's, what, that's true. where we're at right now. That's true. <laughs> it's gonna be a great episode. I'm really excited. So I got a little hot and I had to strip down. All right, if you want to know more about how cheese is made and what milk is and all kinds of shit like that, go to a farm. Well, okay. But also, yeah. listen to our part one. Right. Because right? you're coming in at part two. You're coming in hot. And we're going to be answering a lot of questions here. It's going to be fun. But if you want more info, check out that part one. Cool. But otherwise, yeah, let's let's answer some shit. And let's, let's do this cheesy thing. Nice. So at work, I came up with this female brand of Manchego, you know, Womanchego. Okay. And that kind of spiraled into a Lifetime movie idea about like Melissa McCarthy opening up a woman's cheesemonger shop in Boston. And across the street is Marky Mark. He has his like long standing cheese shop and they become rivals. But eventually, like, she just got so much moxie, they fall in love and they become, you know, like they have just two monger stores. Okay, and so it's kind of like you've got mail, but instead of instead of books, it's cheese. Yeah, yeah, which and makes it much more compelling. Maybe the the maybe the big cheddar, or maybe maybe uh. maybe for a single slice more. I don't oh, know. I don't know. Nice, I like it. I think it's got got legs. Yeah, th- this got legs for yeah. sure, without yeah. a doubt. Okay, first question up is: Can I eat only cheese? Okay, so that sounds like no, but <laughs> apparently there's more nuance to it than I realized. Right. Okay. So as we said up at the top. Or the opposite of what Nathan said. We are not a medical podcast. Well, Sean doesn't so represent that. Do not sure. take medical advice from us. One thing I'll say is that different cheeses have a lot of different kinds of things going on in like the right. vitamin and nutrient departments. Okay? Right. So like American Tillamook cheddar, you you, <clears throat> you couldn't eat only that. But like really good Parmigiano Reggiano from like uh, out of the Po Valley, like that, you could just only eat that shit all day, right? Well, so typically, kind of regardless of the type of cheese... You're going to be getting protein, you're going to be getting fat, calcium, phosphorus. Right. Usually you get vitamin A and vitamin B12. Those are all the pyramids. That's the big food pyramid and the others that weren't made by Khufu. <laughs> that's all of them. <laughs> yeah, that's the food pyramid that's on the dollar bill. Yeah, right yeah, on the yeah, back. yeah. Okay. The cheddar sees you. <laughs> One of the other things I'll say, maybe right up at the top, cheese is usually also a source of sodium, Okay. And usually people having some kind of Western diet have too much sodium in their diet. Right. So that's kind of the big knock against cheese. Right. It's not that you don't eat sodium. It's just you're already eating so much fucking sodium if you're a likely listener of this particular podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But 
Besides that, different cheeses will have a lot of different kinds of nutrients and vitamins depending on the milk quality, but also depending right. on how the cheese is made, right? So the more bacteria and mold that gets in there and kind of the cooler shit that's going on. In yeah, there. yeah. When those dudes do their chemistry and they chew stuff up and poop stuff out. Right. That poop, a lot of times, is some kind of different nutrient or vitamin that right. you wouldn't get otherwise. It's like the white man's kimchi. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hey. You hey, know what? Hey. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah, not pickles. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that reminds me. In oh, last yeah. episode, we talked about East Asia. Okay. What I do know is that milk was introduced to, like, Korea and Japan and shit in, like, 400, 500 BC. Oh, e, okay. As far as we can tell. Okay. Yeah, I still like that it. E. You put the E in there. <laughs> this is a secular pod. You, you, okay. you shouted at me before. It wasn't this. before Christ. It was before the common era. Yeah, they've had milk around. I don't think that there's firm evidence of cheese making. Right. But in a lot of places where there was milk, somebody made some kind of cheese. Right. It just might have fallen out of kind of common usage. Right. And then came back with the Western cheesy deliciousness. I don't believe you. Because anyone who finds out about cheese keeps making it. Look, dude, all, all, all I'm saying is that I've noticed that Koreans really love cheese. Yeah, they do. But I found in Korea that, like, there was a small market for really fancy artisanal whatever European cheeses. Yeah. And there was a fuck ton of shit made with American cheese style yes. stuff. Right? Yes. Right? If you put emulsifier on cheese, well, there's a crazy fusion Korean dish of it. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And there's a lot of times where, like, it. <laughs> I don't know why this happened, but mom sent me a clip of, like... <laughs> I don't know, K-pop dude stars on like a cooking show. Okay. And they were cooking sundubuchige, <laughs> which is like a soft tofu And they stew. put some cheese on it. And one of them was like, I'm making a spam and cheese sundubuchige. Right. And everyone was like, you're sick. Yeah. And then they all ate it and they're like, this is the best one. And That's they like crazy. voted him like king wow. of the island or whatever. Yeah, there's an incredible overlap. Spam and cheddar is the overlap between our Oklahoma trailer trash side <laughs> yeah. and our Korean side yeah. that you wouldn't expect offhand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the trash food category is just a circle between yeah. those ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Anyway, okay. So, can you just eat cheese? Well, cheese is pretty low on carbs, so that could be nice. Right, but yeah. it's low on fiber. Right, and so that is a potentially big problem for right. pooping and for right. gut health. Yeah, you're going to poop that whole block back out. That's going to hurt. I will broadly say, though, that if you ate cheeses and, like, veggies... You could do it. Like, high-fiber veggies. Right. I think that that combination would count as, like, a complete food source. Right, you've you've sidestepped the sodium problem right. by yeah. not eating other things with sodium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheese is your sodium. Yeah, you drink water, you eat a lot of veggies, yeah. and you eat cheese. Okay, well, I'm kind of more into the English diet. I eat cheese, I have the occasional leek, Oh. Okay, I drink brown ale. Wow. And the rest is mutton. Uh, how <laughs> about me? What What about, uh? they have that, uh, like, jellied eel? Oh, well, I'm not, like, Welsh Blood or something Blood sausage. Weird. I'm, like, from the Midlands. Okay, I'm not... Jellied eel is, like, a Londoner dish. Well, I'm not... Yeah, well, I'm not that either. That's like the Thames, dude. I told you, I'm a Midlander. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm from Oxfordshire. It's like somebody took Thames water <laughs> yeah. and then dumped that into a vat and mixed it with gelatin. Yeah, it's actually... It's not eel anything. It's actually just <laughs> the blood of peasants that have, like, seeped into the Thames. Yeah, gross. <laughs> okay, so... I like how we're saying Thames, though. Thames. Just like Edinburgh. Yeah. I was talking to a Scottish person once, and I was like, yeah, oh, uh, you're from you're from Glasgow. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, you know, all I've ever been to is Edinburgh. And he's like, wow, you said that really well. And I was like, fuck you. Fuck you. Start <laughs> kicking him in the face. I was like, fuck you, bro. I can say shit. <laughs> I didn't have a speech impediment when I was six. Wow, nice. Fuck you. Yeah, beautiful. That really triggered something in you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> that guy did not know. Anyway, okay. So as a sub part to this question, which I think we have answered at this point, Yes, so long as you include veggies. Right, but what about um, which cheeses? Right, so Mama wanted to know... Yeah. What are, like, the top healthiest cheeses? Yeah, uh, your which, mom or my mom? <laughs> <laughs> which my first instinct was, like... <laughs> This question doesn't make sense. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, what's really not going to make sense is people who don't know we're brothers. <laughs> and they're going to be like, why do you just laugh at that question? Yes. People have been confused about that before. Yeah. Well, they're they like, now, I guess. They're like, there's these two dudes. They like to pretend they're brothers and be homoerotic. But <laughs> yeah. like, like, okay. <laughs> pretend. Yeah. Yeah. We are actually brothers. Right. And that does make the homoeroticism worse. No, it doesn't. <laughs> okay. It makes it natural. Mama wanted to know what cheeses are, like, the healthy ones. Right. So, sodium is a concern, except for in some cheeses. 
that are particularly low in sodium, like Swiss cheese. Yeah, the worst. And mozzarella can sometimes be kind of low. Right. In fresh cheeses, like fresh mozzarella, a lot of times you still have living bacteria in there. So it hasn't been aged for months. It hasn't been, like, pressed down or heated up or anything. Right. So, you know, in these fresh mozzarellas, those can kind of be like probiotics. Okay, that's cool. Eating fresh mozzarella once probably doesn't do anything to your microbiome. Right. But if you're like, you're living in Italy and you're eating fresh mozzarella every day, maybe your guts are different. Did I ever tell you about my buddy who lived in Italy? No. So he was staying with this noblewoman in this villa in Tuscany, broadly. And they were driving in her little buggy down like a dirt road. Yeah. And there was like, 20 Italian men that they passed all in lawn chairs with shotguns, pot bellies out, drinking wine. And he was like, what's that? <laughs> and she was like, it is, a, I can't really do an Italian accent. Just I keep on, she, well, she was like, it's an Italian boar hunt. And he was like, what's an Italian boar hunt? And she was like, well, you sit and you drink with your guns and you wait for a boar to run by. <laughs> and if a boar doesn't run by, at least you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Italians got some things figured out. <laughs> they do. <laughs> <laughs> They've learned good lessons through the years. Okay. Another cheese that has some nutrients going on is Parmigiano. Yeah, the okay. king of cheeses. It's got a lot of calcium right. and phosphorus. Okay, yeah. So other cheeses have those things, but Parmigiano's got a lot of them. And it's got a good protein-to-fat ratio. Right. Whereas cheddar is a big old English fatty. Yes. But it's got a lot of K2 vitamin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a lot of the vitamin K2, and that's important for being able to absorb calcium and have it properly integrated into your bones. Yeah. So, you know, cheddar, it's got a little something going on. Cool. There is a thing that I've been reading about cheeses that are called full-fat cheeses. That means that they're made not with skim milk or anything like that. They got all the fats in there. Cool. Okay. What, what? I mean, isn't that a lot of cheese, really? Like Whether a cheese is skimmed or full fat doesn't necessarily change like the name of the cheese. Uh, is that like something that actually matters for the ultimate quality of the product? Or is that kind of like one of those more frou-frou, like, oh, this wine's organic. And you're like, fuck you, dude. Uh, That's grape. There are some cheeses that have always been made with skimmed milk. Right. And so you would not notice a difference. Okay. I would argue that you can probably notice a difference between fresh mozzarella that's made with whole milk versus yeah. the reduced fat mozzarella. Right? Yeah. So sometimes I would say you can notice a difference. There's just something about the pure wholeness of a full mozzarella that just made me think of your boss. And why? I, what? I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm Asian I, or half Asian. I don't know why. I don't want to explain it. It's, it's like clearly a subconscious thing that I like can't fully parse through right now, and I feel on the spot. And I don't like how you put me in that place. Well, it's just mozzarella is way more white than I am. <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. All right. Well, that's okay. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I'm probably more familiar with my balls than you are. So maybe, that's where, Why? maybe that's where my issues are coming from. Oh, I get it. I thought for a second you meant like you have a closer relationship with your balls than I do with mine for some reason. And I realized you said what is still a wrong thing. Which no, is that you what? know more about your balls than me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A lot of these full-fat cheeses have something called conjugated linoleic acid. Ooh. What's conjugating? So linoleic acid is a fatty acid. Okay. And the conjugated part means some of the fatty acid bonds are what are called trans fat bonds. So do this is how Linnaeus started his career? Like, when did he discover this? I, I didn't even know he had a microscope. No. Linoleo... Yeah. Linoleic. Linoleic? I don't know. You're the scientist. If you don't know how to say something, the conjugated linoleic acid. Yeah, the linoleic acid I think is named after linolin, which is the fat from sheep wool. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know sheep wool had a fat. Yeah, yeah. I think it it helps with water, like uh, oh, that's really cool and shit like that or something. Oh, Um, that's why you can eat wool. It's why heavy. You can suck on it. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, so conjugated linoleic acid is a fatty acid that is a trans fat in the sense that it has these double bonds in there. Right. Normally, when we talk about trans fats, they're considered kind of like a universally bad thing. Okay, but they're not. Well, this conjugated linoleic acid, uh, I think it's called that because conjugated sounds better than trans fat linoleic acid. Right. But it's a group of fatty acids. There's a lot of ways for it to be trans. Right. Some people say that it's good for you. Okay. I think the evidence is not there yet. Right. So there are animal studies where they fed some of this stuff to, like, mice. And the mice lost a lot of fat weight. 
Right. So like you fed the mice like a high fat diet. They built up a lot of fat. And then you fed them this conjugated linoleic acid. They lost a lot of that fat. Okay. But human studies are inconclusive. Yeah. So they've done some human studies. A lot of times with these kinds of studies, people will bring up some kind of issue to give a reason why the study failed. Yeah. Right. It's like the study's like, oh, there's no difference. People are like, oh, well, you didn't give them enough conjugated linoleic acid. Yeah. Oh, you didn't check to make sure they ate it consistently enough. Right. Blah, 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 blah. But as of right now, there's no good evidence that this does anything in people. You know what I think, man? What? Now, and I'm not a doctor. Okay. okay? Yep. But but I'm going to (laughs) be. Holy shit. (laughs) And what I think is that you just got to live in moderation. Okay, it's like people are always worried about butter or something. There's like all those old ass Italian people in some like one village. Yeah. And they're all eating butter all the time. Then you got some Japanese people in Okinawa. They're all like 150, right? And they're just like sucking seaweed out of the water. And like they're all fine. It's like, you know, I take a lot of lessons from Buddha. Wow. All right, from Siddhartha Gautama, played by Keanu Reeves. Yes. And he had this very balanced diet, right? Kind of based around the Ganges. Uh, who didn't? Christ. Christ ate a lot of lamb. Who died first? Christ. Right. He he also ate a lot of fish. Yeah, but like all fish. He had too many omega acids. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he died at 33 and Buddha lived to be like, however old Buddha lived. All right. This tangent is done. <laughs> uh, should we take a break or should we yeah, let, Let's take a break. <laughs> you need a break. <laughs> you take a time out and when we come back, we'll talk about ricotta cheese. Jimmy Coconuts, and I'm here to talk to you about my new subscription streaming service, Coco Max. Now you can get all your favorite coconuts streamed directly to your house. No more waiting in lines at markets, no more haggling with cocoa vendors, and no more splitting profits with coconut distributors. That's right, coconuts from the biggest to the most itty bitty, all available at the comfort of your home. Wow, Coco Max is such a great service for the consumer. Now, some of you may be wondering, is a subscription service at $15 a month streamed onto a little screen in your home actually a substitute for the social experience of going to a market? Or is this a way for a greedy coconut content producer to screw over distributors and vendors with whom we've negotiated box office contracts? How do you even eat a coconut streamed onto a TV? And what I say to that is, there's a pandemic, idiot! Do you want to go out there and get COVID? And there's no way Jimmy Coconuts ain't using COVID to make a quick buck. Jimmy Coconuts is gonna conquer the world, baby! So don't wait. Sign up for Coco Mats and help me crush AMC forever! Hey guys, back with Petri Dish. Now there's one cheese that we left out. It's such an important cheese. Ricotta. <laughs> so we're going to start this segment talking about ricotta. We had a lot of listener questions about it. Sean, what's yeah, the deal with ricotta? Yeah, okay. So ricotta cheese is like a little bit of a different kind of cheese. In the last episode, we detailed how you make cheese and you generate all of these curds out of the casein protein. Yes. Right? And ricotta cheese is actually based off of the other main protein in milk. Hue. Oh. Right? So after you take all of that casein protein out, you know, using the rennet or using some acid or bacteria or both, whatever kind of combo you're using to get rid of that casein, there's a lot of left over. Okay, yeah. And and most of it, they just turn to a powder for my friends who can't get weight. Yeah. They just drink that. Yeah. But you could also do something else with it. Right. So another option is you can take that liquid left over with a lot of the hue protein in there. I'm going to yeah. stop saying hue over and over again. I'm just going to say whey. Okay. Yeah, anyway. You can take that liquid, and if you add a lot more acid to it, and then heat it up to pretty much boiling, like okay. near boiling. What happens to the hue? Yeah, it denatures the protein. Oh, shit. And once the protein denatures, it kind of clumps together with more of the protein. Yeah. And it can't float in the water so well anymore. So it kind of clumps up and, like, falls out of the water. That sounds like a really dramatic movie to me. Hue, yeah. comma, denatured. You yeah, know? well, it's kind of, you know, in a lot of catastrophe movies where, like, something breaks down and then all hell breaks loose. Right. It's that situation. It's the that, acid yeah. and the heat are kind of the initiating factor to the right. catastrophe. That right. That is all the hue falling out. Right, like the movie 2012. Yeah. Best yeah. movie, dude. Yeah, like that movie. Yeah, right? dude. Uh, I couldn't remember what year it was that the mind said we would be dead. It's 2012. There you go. Um, <laughs> and so you can take all of that lactalbumin. 
which is the, the name for the whey protein. Yes. Once that all crashes out into these clumps, you can kind of remove that from the liquid leftovers. Cool. Get out of the lactor blurman. Yeah, and you can kind of, you can squeeze it a little bit, and then yes. boom, you got some uh, ricotta cheese. Well, is there anything else we make that way? Like, is there any other cheese we make with whey? I think that there are some other non-Italian, but essentially the same process Mm. cheeses around the world you know what oh, I mean? okay that are broadly classified as whey cheeses okay that's cool and so it's another protein it's another way to get some kind of thing that you can munch on right out of your milk so how about like the mold on cheeses mm-hmm. you know like really dank ass shit this is actually how i knew i shouldn't have been a cheesemonger because like when i applied to be a cheesemonger and they were like nope you don't know cheese <laughs> and they made me a fresh pasta guy because i was dumb I one day went over and I was talking to them about that. And he's like, well, you know, why don't you try this crazy cheese? And he gave me this like fucking Comte or Comte or whatever, however mm-hmm, it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. And it was like some funk ass, ancient ass, cave aged, several years cheese. And I had like one bite and I couldn't get the taste out of mouth for like three days. Yeah. It was like I was fucked in the mouth by the oldest, dankest, unwashed foot for the longest. And I was like, I shouldn't be a cheesemonger. Yeah. I don't even know if that shit was edible like that shit tastes like toxins to me do you know if it was a washed rind cheese probably it smelled like it yeah so you know washed rind cheeses often have mold but also have bacteria on there right Freaky. and a lot of times the bacteria makes it very stinky and have a lot of funky flavors right the mold itself in a lot of cheeses uh white molds yeah often do not make a really crazy flavor themselves right make the cheese taste kind of more interesting right so like brie for example has that white mold on the exterior right that's why the the outside is soft and edible whereas like gouda is just a wax right 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 but then blue cheeses are also a mold right and they're actually from the same genus as the white mold they're all penicillium roccaforti so roccaforti and glauco Mm. are the two that are the main blue cheese. Wasn't Glaucon uh, in the Iliad? Wasn't he one of the fighters in the Iliad? I don't know, dude. Yeah, let's keep going. Yeah, well, in any case, Penicillium Roccaforti and Penicillium Glaucum. They're the blue cheese ones, and those ones are much more intense flavors. Yeah. Right? And for those, you actually want the blue cheese to be in the interior of the cheese. Okay. So a lot of times you'll kind of add that fungus onto the curds before you kind of push them together okay and then you'll stab the cheese a shitload of times cool to introduce air holes right because those molds actually require oxygen to do their thing that's cool so the veins that you see in those cheeses right that's actually a a puncture yeah that's a puncture hole oh right so you only see that blue cheese in a place where there is a puncture because it needs oxygen That's cool. Yeah, and so you get a lot of flavors out of that. And the thing is that all of these penicillium fungi do make mycotoxins. Right. right? And mycotoxins are just in general these molecules that can make humans not feel good. Right. Okay. But usually the ones that we use here in all these cheeses are actually pretty low producers of mycotoxins. Okay, well, that's good. And usually they produce ones that are fairly unstable. Okay. So that means they'll make it, but it'll break down at some point. So there's usually not any kind of huge danger to people. Also, people are usually not eating pounds of blue cheese at, like, every meal. Okay, so if you ate, like, you went to a blue cheese eating competition, like, 50 pounds of blue cheese, okay, that that's bad for you. I think there's probably a way to OD on blue cheese. <laughs> but Can you imagine that article? <laughs> Again, Italian man, ODs on blue cheese. Very de- no, see, it's in their culture. So they wouldn't binge eat. That's true. They have the microbiome to digest all that mycotoxins. It's it's those American college kids that don't know how to handle their cheese. They keep binging cheese. (laughs) All right. Italians know just a little bit of cheese with your wine. So all of that are molds that are introduced on purpose during the process, right? Oh, yeah, that's cool. And a lot of times having that mold there prevents other molds from growing. Right. So that's the big other thing is that if you got like one of those dank ass molds that's grown in a cheese been in the fridge too long... That's not edible. Yeah. If you have a cheese that doesn't normally have mold and then it's growing something, yeah. that mold is probably bad for yeah, you. Yeah, probably, which does mean 10% of the time it's actually a new cheese. <laughs> and so you should try just a little bit no, whenever don't do that it. happens. Oh my God. Don't <laughs> listen to This is a medical pod. Do not listen to Nathan. <laughs> but it, this, this is especially a big deal for shredded cheeses. Okay? Right. Because shredded cheeses have a lot of surface area. Right. And if you have some kind of mold in your shredded cheese, it's probably got spores and shit all over all of the cheese. Right. There's really no way to save that right. bag. Whereas, of like a cheese. block, you can just like cut that off, basically. 
basically. Right, right, right. If you have like a hard cheese, like if you had a Parmigiano Reggiano, yeah. and you had like a little clump of mold growing on some corner, yeah. you can probably slice Cut that Cut that off. shit off because you just spent $20 right. on like one fourth an ounce. Yeah. Save your money. Yeah. Okay. If you're like me, you just eat it. Because <laughs> you might have discovered a new cheese. You don't. Yeah, Can, it would be named after Parmigiano part. Reggiano Nathan. <laughs> right? It would be amazing. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. That's actually in in parts of Indonesia. They actually take me. They feed me cheese, and I digest it like worms. And then the thing that comes out is a new type of coffee. It's called coffee nene. Regrettable. This entire conversation. Okay. Let's move on to another question, which was about. Raw milk cheese. Right, which is like really most people's cheese. And in America, we just pasteurize all our milk. But but anyway, what's the context? Yeah, so as you were saying, raw milk is milk that has not been pasteurized. It's right? delicious. Fresh out of the teat. Yeah. So raw milk is banned in some places. It's, I think, banned for sale in a lot of places in the U.S. Yeah, because we're founded with Puritans. Yeah, well, so there is a danger to raw milk if you wait too long. Right, sure. Of course, if it's fresh and the dairy farmer is doing a good job and the right. cows are well taken care of, there's not really any particular danger. Sure. But, I mean, you know. sure, there's a danger to the Bible if you leave it out all day. Anything's dangerous if it gets old. Yeah. So, <laughs> so raw milk cheese is cheese made from that raw milk. Right. Okay. Now, compared to the pasteurized versus raw milk comparison, right. pasteurized versus raw milk cheese... It's a different situation because cheese already goes through a lot of processing, right? You right. add bacteria in, right. a lot of times you heat it up some, right. you do all of the stuff to it. Honestly, cheese made from raw milk is usually way less of a safety concern than even raw milk is. Right. So if you're a person who's predisposed to thinking, eh, raw milk sometimes may be dangerous, sometimes not, you know, like I'm 50-50 I'm on it, raw milk cheese should be on the other end of it right it's yeah. like that that's pretty safe also you're a schmuck because like what are you eating besides fucking tillamook cheddar you schmuck <laughs> like <laughs> like just any european cheese you can't eat you dung you dungus so so, so in the u.s you can have raw milk cheese right but it needs to be aged for 60 days right so that actually puts some cheeses out of contention for consumption in the u.s oh interesting so for example camembert cheese you cannot have classic camembert cheese in the U.S. because it's not aged for 60 days. I think that there are probably some cheesemongers in the U.S. that maybe they make some cheese. It's right. a little bit little right on the illegal edge. Illegal cheese. It's right on the edge. There's some good American cheesemakers, but they tend to make really great cheddars. Like, I've had a lot of good American cheddar. So I've had some kind of local cheesemongers oh. that have made a lot of kind of more like brie-like cheeses. Is the cheesemonger the person who makes the cheese or is the person who just sells it's the, the cheese? It's the person who sells the cheese, but in this case, the cheesemonger was also the cheesemaker. I almost had you there, <laughs> son of a bitch. Anyway. Can't just give me this! Realistically, Europeans have been eating this shit the entire time. Yeah. The entire time that the U.S. has existed, Europeans have been eating this shit. Mmm, fake news. Raw, raw milk stuff. Not true. So I seriously doubt that the 60-day thing actually matters. <laughs> and frankly, I think camembert is aged for like 50 days. Right. So <laughs> they're like 10 days short of the U.S. limit on that. Right. It seems like a arbitrary and capricious cutoff point. I um, don't want to knock a Keynesian government, but I kind of feel like after the 1930s or even the 1910s, you know, we had like a lot of raw horse meat sausages. Sure. And then, then sometimes we went a little too far on the other side. Sure. You sure. know? Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes... Regulations require recalibration. Yeah, or even elimination. Oh my whoa, god! Whoa! Libertarian. Yeah, well, we need some balance in this pod. Gary Johnson. Okay, left, right, and center. Stacey's the center. I'm right, you're left. You're uh, really left. You're fucking communist. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next question, and then we'll take a break after it. Okay, this okay. is a pretty big topic, though. Yes. This is like the big one. Uh, yeah. Because I love a lot of cheeses, and one of the types of cheese I like... Velveeta. Yeah. And like Velveeta, everyone's always telling me is not really a cheese, but it's kind of a complicated story, right? Yes. So what is American cheese product? Yeah. So if you look at a package of Velveeta cheese or Kraft American cheese, you're going to see something on there that says pasteurized prepared cheese product. That's a lot of words. Yes. The pasteurized part is pretty straightforward. Okay. So right. fuck that. Right. Right. But... <laughs> We normally think of cheese as cheese and not a prepared cheese product, which sounds weird terminology-wise. Right, right. So the thing is that at some point, the American way is to innovate. Yes. Right? And so some 
American innovator was like, I want to improve on cheese. Right. And one of the things that people had noticed and could complain about sometimes is that cheese, when it melts, will sometimes separate into an oily part and then kind of like a gunkier cheese part. You know what our problem is, Sean? America, you know what America's problem is? What's up? Complain all the time. You know why? Because <laughs> we're capitalists. Because capitalism teaches us to just consume. Blah, 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 blah. Just eat, eat, eat. Get gout. Eat, 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 eat some more. And so you're like, no. I'm astonished you're saying this because like literally eat, 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 eat is what you do to Velveeta. So like, I don't know why you're saying it like that. Well, I'm part of this system. I'm like in this Foucauldian trap where I'm part of this broader oppression of knowledge. I think. I can even see how I'm a peon of the system and yet I still cannot emancipate myself from it. That is a bummer. Yeah. So uh, just like you. Though. Sometimes if you're like making mac and cheese or something like that. Yeah. Some cheeses, when you mix it in there, there's kind of a texture issue, right? It doesn't like melt perfectly, and you'll have this separation out of like a, just a bunch of oil sitting there. Yeah. And it's not really super pleasant to eat. So some people were like, okay, what if we can use food science, right, to make it so that this cheese can be a blend of several cheeses but also melt really well so right. that the oil does not separate out. And to do that, you need to add something called an emulsifier. An emulsifier, in the context of foods, usually means something that helps keep fats and water-based stuff together. Right. Uh, like in salad dressings or something to keep olive oil from separating from the water stuff. Right. Right. And so... What is it in this case? Uh, a lot of times it's sodium citrate. Okay. That sounds like Venus... That sounds like some strange chemical, probably from Chernobyl. Like, I don't want that in my food, Mr. Man. Well, the sodium is like the, the sodium from salt, right? It's like salt mixed with citric acid. Did Big Salt pay you to say that? <laughs> okay, yeah, so sodium plus citric acid, which is like, beep, from like a lemon, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. And that's so, just that. Yeah, okay. so it, it's not super unnatural or anything like that. Okay, cool. It's just something that helps the fats stay together Look with at you. the rest of Just the... like Agit Pie, bought by Big Emulsifier. <laughs> well, in any case, American cheese is a mix of cheeses, like cheddar, but it can include other cheeses. And then they add in some milk, water, milk protein concentrate, emulsifiers, calcium phosphate, and milk fat. Right. They're putting the milk back together, little emulsifier in there too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, interestingly, a lot of the ingredients are shit from milk. Right, and cheese is made from milk. It sounds like you're just re-milkifying cheese. And so in a things. way, this is a purer cheese than real <laughs> cheese. Well, it's just like, it just sounds like a, a little bit of innovative mixing, you know? Is there any point where bacteria also get into a Velveeta block? Or is that not part of the process anymore? No, no, no. There's no so, culturing at all. Right, there's no further kind of fermentation thing. In That's some, interesting. In some ingredients, they'll mention things about like cultured this or something like that. But that's them breaking down the ingredients for the cheese. Yeah. Part. So it's just like the cheese is done now. There's yeah. no more bacteria shit. Right. They'll mix all that stuff together and then they'll usually repasteurize it to make sure that it's okay. safe again. Is it like way unhealthier then than cheeses that go through that entire process? Or is it like much simpler nutritionally? It's just like a block of some fat and some protein? Well, I guess arguably if you were using a fresh cheese like mozzarella. Right. After you make a Velveeta out of it or something, it doesn't have living bacteria anymore. Right. They're definitely all dead because you pasteurized it. Right. In the process of making the Velveeta. Okay. So some of the nutrients that are a little bit more finicky or more prone to oxidation or right. breakdown, they probably break down in the processing or okay. whatever. So maybe it is a little bit simpler. But hey, man, if you're eating Velveeta for like the health side of it, then like Wrong you're, cheese, you're making buddy. a mistake. Right. So processed cheese... Food or spread is when you take cheeses, multiple kinds, mix them together with dairy stuff and emulsifiers, but at least half of the weight is cheese. Okay. Okay, so at least half of everything that you put in there had to be cheese. Right. But that means you could have 51% cheese, 49% or 48% milk, Right. 1% emulsifier. Right. And really all you made was milky cheese. Right. But you'd still have to call that a processed cheese spread. Okay. Or whatever. So... Velveeta and Kraft American cheese used to be processed cheese food and right. processed cheese spread. Right. The food and the spread just has to do with whether or not you can spread it at room right. temperature. You had mentioned an ingredient that was a concentrate. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, so at some point in the past few decades, both Velveeta and Kraft American cheese added something called milk protein concentrate. And what that is, 
is people took milk, they put it into an ultra centrifuge, right, and spun it around at like fifty thousand times gravity, right, until it kind of separated into a water portion, a protein portion, a fat portion, like it kind of separated out all of the different ingredients of milk. Out. That's cool. And then you just took the protein, and that means all the protein that's in milk. That includes both whey and casein. Wow. So that's not like cheese, right? Cheese is either casein or in the case of ricotta, it's the whey. Right. right? In this case, it's just a mix of all the protein. Oh. And you just dry that out into a powder. Okay. So it's just like powdered milk, all the protein that's in there. Okay. So how big is this centrifuge? <laughs> you can make them pretty big. You wow. can make them pretty big. And we're not like on Mars right now. Like how's it we can do <laughs> awesome shit like that? And I'm still just watching fucking Interstellar at home. We That's got a we got an ultra centrifuge in my lab, man. What? We don't spend milk though. Why haven't you taken me? <laughs> you're 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 a hazard. Um, <laughs> so milk protein concentrate is something you get from milk, but it's not classified as a dairy product by the FDA. It's like too recent. It's like not a traditional dairy product. It's like something scientists did in the lab. Right. right. But it's first of all, it's a lot of protein. It's pure protein. And food scientists or people who make different kinds of new food things really like it. Yeah. Because it's flavorless, but it adds protein. Right. And also it browns really well. Oh, it undergoes it the reactions right. that happen when you like sear a steak surface. Right. Yeah. That kind of reaction happens with this protein powder really well. Right. So... Because of that, yeah, it can make things look really good and add protein without right. any other kind of shit, right? So that's right. also nutritionally good. Right. So Velveeta and Kraft American Cheese were like, hey, let's toss some of this shit in there. And for them, I think conceptually, they were like, it's still a milk product. Right. But the FDA was like, no, yeah, that's FDA, weird. Yeah, FDA was like, that's not on our list of dairy things. So you are not legally allowed to call yourself a processed cheese. Right. So it's, now they're a processed cheese product. A prepared cheese uh, product. prepared cheese product. They can't even say processed cheese. They are PCP. <laughs> but the first P is not process, prepared. Prepared cheese product. Yes. Uh, I think that's not super fair because, hey, man, look, milk protein concentrate, still from milk, okay? Yeah. I think that's all dairy shit. I think Velveeta and Kraft American cheese get shat on a little bit too much. Yeah, but you're in the pocket of big PCP. <laughs> All right. So. And I want to say, by the way, that American cheese does not need to have milk protein concentrate. So if you buy an American cheese, a fancy artisanal cheese person mm -hmm. can make American cheese and it will be a processed cheese. Right. Not a prepared cheese product. Interesting. Yeah. So you can still get processed cheese sure if that's oh. if that's your problem with the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah if that's what's stopping you you can still get it okay well let's take a break because after that we got to talk about the big kahuna vegan cheese yeah i don't know if that's the big one but we will talk about and it. gallstones <laughs> yeah the following is an actual advertisement write a review and then you can share it with the world in any social media platform and then your friends see it and you can share and discover new shows together this is steph instigator of pod rev day podcast review day and i'm andy from inspired money and i'm arielle of earbuds podcast collective and Castbox. we're here to tell you everything you need to know about pod rev day which is on the eighth of every month of every year of every century of every you get it we are posting podcast reviews as part of hashtag pod rev day podcast review day because podcasters work their butts off and deserve to know how much they've impacted your lives and you can do that through reviews even one star feels surprisingly <laughs> good Does it? it lets you know that people are at least listening don't be a passive podcast listener write a review and tell your favorite creator what you love about their podcast or about a specific episode and to participate you just need to do one review and we'll see you every eighth of the month pod rev day because podcasters deserve to hear it hashtag pod rev day p-o-d-r-e-v-d-a-y so sean i went to like years ago i went to this vegan restaurant in venice beach and I spent like $25 on a cheese plate, which I didn't fully understand. And I got it. I think it was like almond and it was macadamia nut cheeses. Yeah. Which once I stopped, I mean, laughing, I'm going to yeah, be honest sure. about who I am. Yes. Uh, they were pretty good. They didn't really taste a lot like cheese, but they were pretty good. I was still mystified. What are they? Right. So vegan cheese is not cheese. 
It's something people made because they were vegan and missed having cheese. Okay, okay. Right? And that's not a bad thing. I'm not, like, shitting on vegan people. It's, it's great that they right. can pull that off. But, like, the government needs to step in and force them to label it something different. <laughs> that, that is actually a legal argument that has happened before. <laughs> I know. It's interesting, um, isn't it? Like, what was the most recent one? It was, like, almond milk or soy milk or something. Dairy farmers are trying to get them to call it, like, soy juice. <laughs> right. There's also been one for, like, the Beyond Meat burgers and mm. stuff like that. And they're like, oh, those aren't burger patties because they're not made out of beef or whatever. You know what drives me crazy about that whole debate is, like... Who's walking up and buying almond milk and get home and they're like, oh, geez, I meant to buy milk. And then they drink the almond milk and they're like, wow, I'm switching permanently, right? Like the dairy industry is like way overreacting about the whole thing. Sure, sure. All of those industries are overreacting. There is literally a lawsuit where a cheese company sued some vegan cheese company being like, you can't call yourself cheese. Right. That's an overreaction. I don't think anyone's trying this and being like, oh, is that actually cheese? Yeah. Don't worry about it, guys. But the main thing that they're trying to replicate is the texture and flavor of cheese. Right. While using almost none of the same ingredients. Right, because right? all the ingredients of any type of cheese, <laughs> yes. it's like no, it's, not kosher. It's got animals involved. Right. Usually you're using something that provides protein and sometimes fat, something like cashews or a full-fat coconut milk, right? Something like that. And then you want something that can help solidify the cheese because... If you're right. using like cashew milk or coconut milk, that shit's a liquid. You I see that one solid. of the common ingredients is a monster from Star Wars. What is this? Agar agar. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's that? uh, that's like from uh, seaweed or oh. kelp. Kelp. Oh, okay, cool. It's a thickening agent. Okay, uh, it's they are pretty thick and slimy. Sometimes it's used in like toothpaste and stuff like that. Okay. It, it, it's something that can help thicken it without being gelatin, right? Because gelatin is also a no-no product. Right. For vegans. So you need something that can help gel it up. Okay, so you get some seaweed. You, you I th- squeeze I think it's that yeah. into some shit you've pressed out of a cashew macadamia nut. Yep. You throw that with some full-fat coconut milk. And then bing, bada, boom. You got a cheese. A lot of times they'll add nutritional yeast. Okay. Nutritional yeast, I don't know, if, have you tried nutritional yeast? I actually have recently, and it does have kind of a strange umaminess to it. Yeah, and it's almost cheesy, honestly. It, it, right. it almost smells like a certain kind of cheese. Right. And so, usually they'll toss that in there, because it's already kind of cheesy. Isn't and, the yeast a, a living thing, though, that I, you've well, killed? Well, plants are living things, they don't give a shit about that. You know, Jane, uh, early Jane philosophy felt guilty about the whole thing, right? About plants, too? Yeah, but they were like, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, seriously, <laughs> seriously, what are you going to do? <laughs> Gonna suck on rocks, like there might be lichen on there. You know, time to die. (laughs) So yeast are fungi, so it's okay. They're not animals, right? Most of the times, you'll add some other kind of spices and shit to add a little bit more flavor in there, kind of make it a little interesting. Yeah, sure. And that—that's usually what goes into most vegan cheeses. So you know, there are, like you said, different nut cheeses. Right. Is there a cool idea that you have that's being stolen right now by hippies in the Bay Area? <laughs> yeah, excellent lead in, Nathan. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Very natural. <laughs> uh, so one of the things that I was thinking when I was writing up the notes is it'd be interesting, honestly, if somebody tried to do something akin to like the lab-grown meat thing that we talked about in that early episode of ours. Right. right. Which is like, can we use biotechnology to produce everything like the casein in milk. Right. And then be able to make essentially a cheese that just never came from milk that we got from an animal anywhere. That's pretty like interesting. Like no animals were exploited. We got all of the same stuff that makes milk though. Which in a lot of cases is like some kind of fat and casein protein. Right. And then the rest of it you use bacteria and molds and shit like that, right? You, all of those things are fine. And sure enough, some hippy dippies in the Bay Area are already trying that. Yeah, so I had that thought while I was writing up the notes and then I decided to Google it. And I don't know, this the article that's in the show notes is from a few years ago. I don't know if they're still a thing or how they worked out. But there are some dudes who are trying to do this and uh, good luck to them. Yeah. Good luck to them, San Franciscoites. That's cool. It's easy to forget that everything's made of compounds and elements yeah and presumably you could synthesize them independent of whatever biological process they originally come from yeah 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 independent of their natural biological process in this case right. it would still be biology it would be yeast in like a vat right and the yeast in the vat would just end up secreting stuff that's kind of like milk right and then you'd take that and make cheese from it isn't that kind of dangerous to have too much yeast in a vat though because, like, once you reach a certain critical mass of yeast, they develop a consciousness, right? And then you're kind of back in your original problem, which is you're killing, like, a sentient thing. You're like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so vegan cheese. Yes. Cool, funky, fresh. Doesn't really taste that much like cheese, but, you know, it's actually pretty good. Let's yeah. Let's all let this one go. 
I, I think it's pretty cheese. tasty. I've had yeah, some pretty good ones. Yeah, cheese is good. Okay. It's fucking expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a common man, Sean. I'm a working man. Most of the times that I've had it have been spreadable cheeses. Right. You know? Although I have heard that you can add some things to make like a sliceable vegan That's cheese cool. that kind of melts. I don't eat cheese on a spread. I get the whole cheddar block and I cry as I shove it in my <laughs> mouth. So I'm not going to really eat vegan cheese until <laughs> just... I can just like shove... <laughs> breathe it in <laughs> you're just licking cheddar lollipops <laughs> yeah um okay. <laughs> okay 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 i've heard around the campfire maybe cheese can cause gallstone yeah so i did not have any fucking idea about this didn't you have until... one of these no i had a kidney stone damn too much ramen guys don't eat too much ramen yeah somebody on twitter uh, i think at jungle gym queen oh so i didn't know that this was an issue but people get gallstones in their gallbladder okay the gallbladder is a place where bile is stored bile is something that gets injected into your intestines to help with the digestion processing of fats gallstones are like hardened bile deposits in your gallbladder okay instead of just like staying liquidy and being able to get secreted out into your intestines you get these hardened chunks that sounds like that hurts a lot yeah i imagine that that's extremely painful right and then a lot of times the composition of that is a combo of bile and cholesterol right okay so it seems like cholesterol levels might be related so if you have a diet that's high in cholesterol or you eat something that's high in cholesterol potentially maybe that impacts gallstone formation okay cheese has got a lot of cholesterol huh cheese has some cholesterol not a ton but what cheese does have a lot of is fat okay and because bile gets secreted in response to the fat like Mm. it's supposed to help with the fat digestion so it's thought that maybe cheeses that are high in fat might lead to more bile secretion and more kind of gallbladder activity yeah and it's just like the more activity, the more rolls of the dice to see if you get a gallstone. Right. Kind of thing. That makes sense. Because English people eat a lot of cheese. And gallstone just sounds like a thing that English people get a lot. Like, it sounds like it's from Old English. Yeah. Yeah. It does, actually. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. That's great, baby. Yeah. I agree. So It's probably in France called the English disease. <laughs> you know? So that sounds like a... That's a bummer. I'm sorry. I didn't know that this was a problem. Yeah. Another thing that I did not realize was a problem is that some cheeses seem to trigger migraines in some people. Really? So apparently in cheeses, there's this molecule called tyramine. Cool. It's not just in cheeses. It's in a lot of different kinds of foods. And it's also in your body naturally. What it is, is it's a metabolite of tyrosine. Tyrosine, we talked about last time, it's an amino acid that shows up in cheeses and a lot of foods from the breakdown of the protein. Right. And actually, it's one of the things that makes those tasty crystals inside of cheese. Right. Right. So if you took tyrosine, you gave it to a bacteria, and the bacteria further digested it, Yes. what it would poop out is tyramine. Okay. And tyramine in your body is actually a signaling molecule. It will go in your bloodstream, and it can tell your body to secrete catecholamines. Okay. Which we talked about in the stress episode. Right, sure. It's actually like ephedrine. Huh. And so it can kind of activate your blood pumping. It can increase your blood pressure. I've noticed that when I eat cheese. I just like feel yeah, like, like I feel up. like I'm Belle and that one song's like, oh, I haven't felt like this before. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a little cheddar coming out of my mouth because I'm getting so amped up. So, and in some people, they might be predisposed to when they have that high blood pressure going, they, yeah. they're all activated. That can cause migraines in some people. Okay. Unfortunately, some of the most delicious cheeses are the ones with high tyramine levels. Yeah. And a lot of food I'm seeing in this list. Yeah. So because tyramine is what happens when you digest tyrosine. Yeah especially in bacteria, any kind of food that's aged in a way that involves bacteria usually has tyramine in it. Yeah. So that does mean aged meats, fermented meats, cured meats, uh, a lot of fermented foods, including kimchi, soy, miso, homebrewed beer, red wine, right? Wow. A lot of the better things in life. (laughs) Interesting. It's so funny because I always have like customers come up they're like, I can't have anything that has sulfites because mm. it causes migraines, which drives me crazy because it's like all wine has sulfites anyway. Guys. Yeah, like, sure. come on. But like maybe this is what's causing the migraines. Yeah. And, you know, some cheeses, younger cheeses especially, have less tyramine. Yeah. So if tyramine specifically is something that fucks you up, younger cheeses can help. Right, right. It's interesting. The tyramine levels are almost the exact opposite of lactose levels. Okay. So if you're someone who's lactose intolerant, normally you want more aged cheeses. Right. Because the bacteria have broken down the lactose. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> so if you're lactose intolerant and sensitive to tyramine, you yep. are fucked and you can't eat cheese. You just couldn't eat cheese. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just over for you. But Velveeta. Velveeta is safe for a tyrosine person, huh? Hmm. That shit's got no tyrosine in it, right? 
tyramine. My tyramine bad. is the tyramine. I mean, tyrosine is still a thing. That's the amino acid that right. Gets there's plenty of tyrosine, but like, so there's no tyramine in Velveeta. That's a good question. I don't know because Velveeta a lot of times is made out of cheddar, and cheddar is an aged cheese that usually right. has tyramine in it. Oh, okay. I don't know if the tyramine gets broken down or processed out during the making right. of Velveeta. Tyramine is typically broken down by an enzyme in your body. Okay, it's called monoamine oxidase. And unfortunately, monoamine oxidase is an enzyme that gets targeted by drugs, by a drug class called monoamine oxidase inhibitors. Or Mauis. Yeah. And those are usually used as antidepressants. So Mao, Mao causes depression? What's up with that? Uh, no. It, it, so tyramine-like stuff is also potentially a neurotransmitter in your brain. Oh. And so this enzyme works on kind of that group of stuff that tyramine's a part of. And so, in this case, it's tyramine in your bloodstream that's causing the migraine stuff. Right. But these enzymes still break it down. But if you're taking the antidepressant, usually that's all over your body. And that can actually exacerbate your tyramine levels. Okay, that's cool. And so, so that means that if you are taking that kind of antidepressant, eating a hard cheese or an aged cheese might dangerously elevate your blood pressure. Yeah, and you'll end up just fucking killing yourself anyway. Because you can't eat any of the cheese you used to love. Uh, trigger warning. Yeah, I don't know about any of those words. <laughs> okay, here, I don't let me feel rephrase great that. about that. Let me rephrase that because that's an important thought. Um, so you might as well not take antidepressants because you'll get depressed anyway from not eating the cheese that you love. That's how I meant that. <laughs> I don't know if that's that much better. But, but, but <laughs> one, one alternative I want to say is yes. that there are actually other drugs, alternatives to Maui's now, called Rima's. And those are basically a reversible inhibitor of the monoamine oxidase. Okay. And what that means is that it does a good job of blocking that enzyme unless tyramine comes along. Yeah. And tyramine can kind of push the drug out of its spot. Fascinating. Still get digested, still get broken down, and then the drug comes back in and blocks the, the So enzyme. are you recommending people who are currently on Maui's to switch to Rima's? Because this is a medical pod. No. Okay. <laughs> no, this is not a medical pod. <laughs> consult consult whatever medical professional. So I think Rima's are less commonly used in the U.S. maybe than in right. Europe. But I think one of the main things is just antidepressants are the kind of thing that different ones affect different people and work in different people. So yeah. sometimes people try a bunch of different ones and I know. Just, it might be that a Maui's the one that works That's totally it. been my process. You know, when I started on antidepressants, it was all scotch and soda, right? <laughs> <laughs> but then I kind of slowly, I've like just recently gotten into mezcal, I had a beer <laughs> face, you know, and it's like, these are just like interesting chemical cocktails that you're consuming. So you want to make sure you figure out the right drug for you at any particular party or club. So much regret. <laughs> so much regret about this entire chunk of this You episode. never should have raised me under that bridge. All right. So the next thing I want to talk about. The little critty crawlies. That's the next two things, basically, right? Yeah. Okay, so guys. this I had absolutely fucking no idea about is that there are things called cheese mites. Mm. So wild cheese is like hanging out in caves yeah. or whatever. And you're growing mold on it. Right. Every once in a while, you will find some cheese that seems to have kind of like a brown dust on it. Right. Now, you might think, hey, is that, that just brown dust? And you'd be wrong. <laughs> yeah, because it's in a cave. So, like, that's totally reasonable to think. No, you're still an idiot. Yeah. So, it's not brown dust. Or, well, it is a brown dust. But it's not dirt. It is the living and dead carcasses of little tiny microscopic mites. Wow. That are eating the mold and eating tunnels into the mold to try to get to the cheese. That's super cool. Is that um is that based at all on the legend? What legend? Well, cheese mites are the hobgoblins from medieval English lore who would come <laughs> into Gloucestershire and steal the cheese wheels. And they would actually roll the cheese wheels downhill so they could get them a faster away from the angry villagers. Sure. And that's where cheese rolling comes from. Oh. Is it comes from chasing the hobgoblin mites. I see. Yeah. So is that the basis of cheese mites? Is the cheese mites of Gloucestershire? Must be definitely. Yeah, okay. I, okay, I don't okay. think there's any way to get out of that. Maybe it's apocryphal. <laughs> so they're these little arthropod guys. Yes. Right? Little tiny mite dudes. Most of the time, they are considered pests because you put down all of this mold on these cheeses, right, to try to protect the cheese. And these mites are like biting little holes in the mold. That seems bad. And then also maybe getting down into the cheese and eating your fucking cheese, right? But with many things with cheese... Someone wants that. Yeah. Whatever mistakes there are in cheese, someone decided it's a good idea. Okay. okay. Because there are some cheeses like Mimolette, 
where mites are like fucking purposefully introduced to the cheese. Yeah. Because the thought is they add some kind of flavor or shit to right. the cheese. Oh my God. And what I learned reading about this cheese, yep. it's super orange. It looks like a cantaloupe on the inside. Yep. That's not natural to most orange cheeses. Yes. That blew my mind. I had no clue. Yeah, I think almost, almost no cheese is actually anything besides white or a little off-white. Right. Like Parmigiano would be like a normal color for cheese or brie even in the normal world. But people add coloring in Mm -hmm. to give them like kind of a whack-ass look. Apparently at one point in like England and like fucking 17,000 years ago, at the time of Druids, like really some cool pro-ass cheddar looked orange. Yeah. And then everyone wanted to make it look orange too. Yeah, we, so we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. Some cheeses can look orange because the milk is slightly yellow right. from having carotenoids in right. the grass. Right. So what the cows eat really directly impacts the milk that they produce. Right. And some grasses are high in carotenoids. And so this was like a whole thing. The cows that were like raised in this particular area were eating right. these grasses and they were getting this cheese out of it that was like yellow. Right. But because that doesn't usually happen, People started to put some crazy ass shit from the new world. Yeah. What is that called? Anato. Anato. So this is the same thing as natto in Japan. Is it's no. like this really crazy nope. stinky thing? Nope. Okay. So what nope. is anato? Uh, anato is like it's either a seed or the casing for a seed of a plant. It's actually the same thing that's used for achiote. Ah. Uh, and achiote is used in a lot of Latin American cuisine. Oh, that's cool. Um, both for its flavor and its coloring. And if you get that extract out of it, it's fucking orange. And so a lot of the cheese you eat that's orange, that's an artificial coloring. No, well, but it's a, it's a natto. That is accurate, yeah. yeah. Um, in a sense, it's artificially colored in that it's pretty much only added for the color. It doesn't really add very much flavor in the amount that it's added. Yeah. Uh, yeah, achiote is like red. And when you, when you add it in to the curds and everything like that, yeah, you get this kind of color. Yellow cheddar yeah. versus white cheddar is whether they added this <laughs> basically plant-based dye in. Right. right. That's the only difference between them. Right. So that's pretty interesting. And yeah, they add that into American cheese and Volvita, but like all the other stuff. Too. Right. We got this from Wikipedia. Donate to Wikipedia. Beautiful. Yeah. So mites are pretty fucked up, but they're very small, right? And also in some cases they make the cheese better. I really wonder whether the Mimolette's actually that much better. Well, we're going to France and we're trying it for our, we're going to do like the trip where like, I'm kind of like Rob uh, Corden. And you're like Steve Kuglian or whatever his name is. Okay. You know that series? Where no. it's just like, okay, so the trip is like this British series starting in 2010. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like them basically doing impersonations. Yes. We can do dueling impersonations. Like, Jean is indubitably, you know? Like, that's my Royals impersonation. It's like, my name is Prince Charles. Diana, how could you think I'd like this? Right. Obsessively watching The Crown has definitely paid off for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then you can, what's yours? Shit, do What's I your have Prince an Charles? I don't know what Prince Charles sounds like. <laughs> he sounds like this. <laughs> he sounds like indubitably. I've only seen season one of The Crown. Okay. M- Mimolette <laughs> is banned in some places because um, mite allergies ah. are considered potentially a concern. Like Dude, it might set off some people's allergies. There are more pussy cats in season four of The Crown than the movie Cats. How are you not done? And that had Taste Swift. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. <laughs> um... <laughs> Okay, mites are very small. (laughs) Okay. A much larger thing that is added to cheese sometimes are maggots. Ah, well, that's, I mean, that's just tasty. That's, I mean, that's how you make brie. That's how you make manchego. So, you know. No, no, it's not. not, But (laughs) it is how you make kasumarzu. Okay. And I think translates pretty literally to rotten cheese. Okay. And Sardinians eat this shit. Mm, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, Sardinia is an island off yeah, of Italy in the Mediterranean. Yeah, that's like the there. bigger one of the two that's actually owned by Italy. Corsica is like France for yeah, some reason. Yeah, yeah, it is France. Corsicans in, I can't remember which one's on top. Corsica's on top. Okay, so on the southern part of Corsica, some of them eat something that's basically Casumarsu. They're pretty close. Yeah, they call it like Karsu Matsu or something. I mean, it's they're like, so ah, close. That's the same. Your Corsican is just like, hey, hello. <laughs> and then your neighbor Sardinian is like, did you have some of my Kasumarsu? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they just yell at each other. It's basically like uh, Sarah Palin in Russia. Yeah, right? yeah, totally. They so, talk all the time now. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really old dig at, at Sarah Palin. Okay. That's made new again. <laughs> so... How do you make 
this rotten cheese. So you start out with a sheep cheese, kind of similar to pecorino, like mm. a pretty solid hard cheese. Delicious. Okay. Yeah, I, I want to make it soft, Sean. How do I make it yeah. soft? So you remove a little bit of the rind so that you can expose the fresh cheese to cheese flies. Mm. Peophilicase. Ooh, phallicase. <laughs> and they lay their eggs on the cheese. Okay, gross. And the eggs hatch and the maggots dig in. Yeah. And they start eating that cheese and digesting it and shitting it out. Okay, yeah. Okay. And what they're pooping out is partially digested cheese proteins. Right. Okay. A lot of different products from that digestion. And they change the texture of that hard cheese into a lot of different textures. Some of it mealy. Some of it more like a brie kind of texture. Yeah. Some of it straight up liquid. And it all just depends on how much the maggots have been chewing on it and pooping it out. That was a difficult war, wasn't it? <laughs> You know? You know what I mean? The war where they started eating this? They went through a lot. Yeah. They went through a lot. And it's said to have a complex and adult taste. Okay. I like adult flavors. So... Like green tea. I feel um, like it's pretty adult. Matcha. So you need to have the maggots be processing this, right? And and, and eating up the cheese and pooping it out and everything. Radish. But that's another pretty adult flavor. You don't want the maggots to die. Okay, yes. Because if they die, they start to rot. That's, that's pretty gross. That's too much rotting. So you need to eat the cheese while the maggots are still alive. That's really... Right? Okay. You, you can't wait until they're dead. Yeah. And these maggots are a fun kind of maggot. When they're exposed to air... They sort of activate a defense mechanism. Okay. Air and light. Yeah. They kind of hop up out of the cheese and like they'll like grab their butts in their mouths to like propel themselves up. So they can be called cheese hoppers. That's pretty cool. And so they can kind of bounce out of the cheese onto the table, onto the floor, into your lap. Okay, well, uh, that sometimes sounds pretty fun. you're told to wear glasses or safety goggles because they can pop into your eye. That's really cool. You know, <laughs> I've always wondered why isn't my food more interactive? I like that. Okay, so you don't really eat the maggots. They just have to be alive when you cut the cheese, but then you kind of just let the maggots right out of it. So some of them will hop out. Yeah. Because they want to survive. But some of them, it's too late. But you pretty much always eat the maggots. Okay. There, there's almost no way to take a bite of this cheese without eating some maggot. Wow. And okay. usually what you do, because it's kind of digested, is you'll scoop it out and you'll spread it on some bread. Wow. With some maggots wriggling around in there. Wow. And you will take a big old bite with the maggots still alive. Wow. And hopefully chew enough to kill the maggots because oh. these maggots are hardy enough to survive in the human digestive tract. Oh, wow. And can actually basically be a parasite inside of you. That is hilarious. <laughs> like, what a mistake. Yes. So okay. there are published medical records of people from Sardinia having the issue of having these fly maggots living inside of their guts and causing uh, health problems. And they can't be having a great time in there either. Like, that's very different from right. cheese, I, I don't right? think they're loving it, yeah. but they are alive. Yeah. And they can cause gut inflammation. Right. And, and give you the tummy ouchies. So, Kasumarzu is illegal in the EU, right? So this isn't just puritanical Americans. Right. Even the European Union says like, no Look, thank you. <laughs> yeah, maybe this one step too far. Right. But people in Sardinia still produce it for their own consumption. So it's illegal to sell. But, you know, people in their houses or whatever will just take some of the cheese, pop a little rind off, and let the flies go at it. Right. And has Sardinia been the only place ever in the world that's ever done anything like this? Or actually the english ones <laughs> yeah so this is great this is something i found out while i was doing some research uh daniel defoe who is the author of robinson crusoe perhaps the first western novel and wrote a travelogue in 1724 about taking a trip through great britain which it's kind of incredible that a british person can write a travelogue about traveling around their own country it seems like kind of silly but well, whatever you know it was actually a few nations whatever who cares yeah, but he called it Great Britain. I mean, and it, also, it, it, like, Bodkineros. No, 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 I don't mean... I mean, like, it's a few nations smashed together, is that's what I'm true, saying. That's true. And, like, there's, like, angry dudes who are half-naked in Scotland, and then there's <laughs> Bodkineros, Shunetche, in Wales, and, you know... I mean, back then they owned Ireland, and that was a whole fuckfest, so, I mean, like... Sure, sure. It was harder back then. And, I mean, honestly, in 1724, there was still enough, I guess, to this day, there's yeah. local identity in England yeah. enough where, like, one village... Their accent is all fucked up compared to the next village. Right. And when he was going through Stilton, which is famous for a cheese. Blue cheese. Uh, he mentioned, well, actually, there's a quote from him. You read it. I don't have a British accent. You, do, I, do don't, royal accent. I don't really have a British accent. <laughs> we passed Stilton, a town famous for cheese, which is called our English Parmesan. 
and is brought to table with mites or maggots around it, so thick that they bring a spoon with them, so you eat the mites with as you do the cheese. So, if you can see the thing, it's probably not a mite. It was probably the maggot that he mentioned, mm. terminology-wise. Mites just look like dust. Yeah. So, it seems like uh, Daniel Defoe was describing eating some maggoty-ass cheese in Stilton. Right. Maybe that was the thing that they used to do back in the day. Right, probably with the Jacobin Revolution and the return of Bonnie Prince Charles, they were like, enough of that papist shit. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, no more papist maggots in our Puritan cheese. And they banned it. Well, everyone, so we're ending this with maggot cheese. Okay, okay, cool. I don't know if anyone out there still has any more cheese questions. I am impressed that we did two episodes on cheese. If people ask like a dozen more cheese questions, then maybe someday we'll do another one. Yeah. But I, I hope you guys all learned something about one of my favorite foods. I think it's delicious. Yeah, maggot cheese is amazing. And I hope you guys all have a chance to try it. You haven't tried it. <laughs> it just pops in your mouth. You dirty fuck. Okay, let's say thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer. Thank you, Brian, for art. Thank you, Griffin, for animation. Yeah, and uh, you guys can chat with us at Dish Podcast on Twitter or send us an email, petridishpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a buck per month or something like that at patreon.com slash petridish. Ich benign cheese. See y'all next time. Ich bin